What up, peoples? We are live. I'm excited to be back. It's been over a month that I haven't done a podcast, so I missed you guys. Hopefully, some of you missed me. This is my buddy, Dan Hesh from hey, everybody. 3CK9 Training. Um, yeah. What does 3CK9 Training stand for? What is that? So when I was trying to come up with the name, I had no idea what to, you know, Dan Hesh Training. I didn't know what to come up with. And then I thought of Cool, Calm, and Collected. Because to me, that's how we need to be when we're working with our dogs. And but also that's kind of the results we want with our dogs. You know, we just want calm dogs, chilled and, you know, with the right state of mind. So I came out 3C canine training and uh, I don't it, it rhymed and it came together and it wasn't already taken. So nice. I figure why not? So. Nice. I like that. I've been meaning to ask you that question. I figured we should jump right into it with me understanding what the hell 3C canine is. Yeah, <laughs> that's yep. cool. There's no other names. And then uh, I didn't know if cool, calm and collected was actually like paraphrased or like something. But I looked it up and it's like, no, people just use that those words. And it's like, what well, it makes sense? Because that's how we want our dogs to be when we train them. And that's the mindset we want to be in when we're training our dogs. Absolutely. So it, uh, it, it worked out. And, yeah, absolutely. I love it. Um, just real quick for anybody who's watching this, who if this is your first time tuning into this show, this is not a Q&A show. So if you have dog training questions, save them for after and send them all to Dan because he loves getting messages and answering all your questions for free. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> this is more of just a fun way to get to know each other. You guys are more than welcome to ask questions in the comments, but it's not going to be like dog training questions getting answered. So if it's something that's apropos to what we're talking about, feel free to add it into the conversation. Comment section is open on YouTube and Facebook. So you guys are more than welcome to use that. Um, so how long, first off, how long have you actually been training dogs? Um, since about 2016, I got started. So I had a dog my whole life, like everyone, we kind of had dogs, we work with them. Um, you know, just teaching the basics. I was always the one in the family that worked with the dog, took it for walks, did stuff like that. And then my adult life, I adopted a dog and she turned out to be perfect. You know, just, well, not in my eyes, she was good, you know, back before I knew about training. And then my wife and I, we went to, you know, went to the shelter and I saw this dog curled up in the corner, all scared and not knowing anything. Then I walked in and, you know, took her out of the shelter, took her out of the kennel and took her for a walk. And uh, we ended up adopting her or taking her home, buying her. And um, after about two days, we were like, what the fuck? This dog is nuts. And I knew nothing. I'm like, I, this doesn't make sense to me. I don't know what to do. She was very reactive, fearful of men. Um, the good thing is she got along with the dogs in her household. And then um, I sent her away after having her for a week or two for a three-week boarding train. And then... At, during those two three week boarding or that three week boarding train, I started learning everything he was teaching the dog. Started watching as much YouTube videos as I could, all the content he put up. And uh, once she came home, obviously it's important for the owner to do follow up work with the dog. Right. So I started, you know, working with her and learning everything that she knew. And then off and on for about six months to a year, I started volunteering with him. And then uh, started taking on my own clients and just getting my hands on as many dogs as I could. And it kind of started off more so like a hobby and like, oh, I can make a little bit of money making this. And then I just started getting so busy. I'm like, well, I'm just going to quit my full time job and just do this. So. Um, so, yeah, about 2016 is when I really got started. And then 20, uh, 2019. Yeah, 2019, I quit my full time job. I was a park ranger for the DNR here in Michigan. And uh, 
I quit that full time or quit that job just to start training dogs full time. And then it's been nonstop ever since. It's great. That's awesome. Yeah, you've been yeah. doing great work. Do yeah, you, thank you? I don't know anything about being a park ranger. This is a random question that I like right. to ask people though. <laughs> do you know do you think that there's anything from your old job that you've taken to incorporate into this career? <laughs> Um, yeah, there's quite a, I mean, the people skills, you, you got to talk with people and know how to deal with people. You know, we had to, during the park ranger, it's, you're considered law enforcement. So we had to go to like a seven, I think it was seven week law academy and, um, you know, learn takedown techniques, writing tickets, stuff like that, dealing with people, dealing with hostile people and, um, you know, and then being calm in the situations, you know, on top of that. So then taking that to dog training, I'm working with people, different style of people and, you know, trying to teach them what I teach the dogs and everybody learns different. And then, you know, you still got to maintain a calm attitude and just, you know, kind of be chill about it. And even same with the dogs, you know, you have to just kind of, you know, be calm with them, working with them. So I think my old job taught me a lot of patience. Mm. You know, because you're put in situations where you're dealing with drunk people and they're assholes and, you know, you can't just go all, well off hitting them for being an asshole. You got to, you know, be calm about it and, you know, do your job correctly. So I think it, my old job taught me a lot of patience. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah. Got you trained to be cool, calm and collected before you needed it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So, and then just dealing with people that, you know, our job is more, it's way more than people. To me, I think maybe for a lot of trainers too, the dog aspect comes pretty easy once you learn it, you know, and then it's relaying that information to the people. And I think that's um, where a lot of people or trainers may struggle. I know at first that's what I struggle with because I'm like, no, you just do it like this. This is how you do it. And then uh, over time, you know, oh, all right, well, this person learns this way, this person learns that way. So you, you have to adapt through every person, every interaction you have, you know, same with bringing every dog in. Every dog's a little bit different. You can't just have a cookie cutter training routine with every single dog. Every dog's different, you know. Do you do you find do you find that you've figured out your groove for how you <laughs> teach people yeah. or are you still like figuring it out each time around? No, no, I, I pretty much have a pretty good routine down of what I want to do and figure out my groove and working with people. Um, I, I do a lot of follow-up after the training and then keeping up with them and just staying on top of them more to make sure, Hey, you got any questions, make sure to reach out, you know? Um, cause when it comes to the owners, this is all brand new to them. I mean, we, we train the dog over three weeks and we're throwing it at them in two to three hours saying you do this, this, and this, and that's a lot of information for one person to take in. Um, so I think what's really important is a lot of follow-up. Yeah. I find that I have to remind myself from time to time that my clients are not dog trainers, <laughs> yep. right? Yeah, definitely. And they're not yep. trying to be. So like we have, we have experience, all of us who've been doing it for any amount of time, even if, even if someone's been doing it for six months, they've trained more dogs than the average dog owner in that six months. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And let alone like a few years that we each have that we, I find at least for myself that sometimes I take it for granted, the knowledge that we have that the average dog owner doesn't have it. And if we can't figure out a way to simplify it, but yet still make it seem super important because it is, then it's going to go right over people's heads and no one's going to do something that they don't truly understand. If we want them really to have that upkeep, we got to figure out a way to simplify it. So from time to time, I find myself reminding myself like, Hey, 
slow it down. They're not dog trainers. Exactly. Dog yep. yep. That's, um, you know, I put together um, with some help, I put together a really good go home packet. And then I provide some books for them to read, you know, to when they go home and just prior, even when they drop the dog off, I'm giving them all this information, like over the next three weeks, you know, read these books, read over this, you know, watch these videos just to better prepare them. Because even, even after the dog's gone through the board and train and we've taught them everything, the owners, they're still not in the right mindset as far as when it comes to dog training. I mean, they might be getting there, but they're not going to think they're not going to see all the little things that we see and you know, everything that the dog's actually doing and all the body language and all that, that we would notice. And they're just happy to have their dog back and it's going to come to them when they call and they could actually yeah. walk it on a leash without being embarrassed. You know? Yep. What books do you give? Um, I started giving them um, Larry Crone's e-collar book. Mm -hmm. And then I am in the process of ordering some of Sean O'Shea's books. Nice. So I haven't ordered them yet. Um, I've asked them about it and they just haven't taken that step. But I um, I want to take that step to here. This is a lot of information right here. Read over this. Um, because if they have a better understanding when they're coming to you or when the dog goes home, they'll have a better understanding learning when you're sitting here explaining it to them. Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, I give I give all my clients Sean's book for for people who are listening who don't know it's love them by lead them love them by leading them. So I give I give volume one. Um, yes, that's the one I was going to give them. Yep, yeah. and I just got through volume two, and I lo I love both the books. Yeah, yep. to be honest, I haven't gotten through it all. Um, all right. <laughs> I read a couple of pages. Sean sent me one and and was nice and he signed it and gave me a little note in it and I was like I really should read it since he's like being so nice about this. Yeah. But <laughs> I don't. I, I just haven't. But I give it. What I found when I started giving it to my clients that by the go home session, a lot of the the things that would take more time for me to explain, like the why behind it, they they picked up on it much quicker because they had some understanding of it or that at least their mind was open to some ideas differently than if I had to just start right away and jump right into it. What up, Jonas? So yeah, it's exactly. a little bit it's yep. a little bit different, like having that that prior information that we can give them even though we're going to still have to explain a lot, but it helps them. It gives them that head start. It creates like a bit of a learning curve for them so that they can actually be on the same page as us by the time the dog goes back home. And three weeks, my program is three weeks. I don't know how long yours is. Yeah, I do three weeks. Three yeah. weeks. Cool. Yeah. Three weeks is really a very short period of time in a dog's it life. Is. You know? Yeah. Yep. And the owners are catching up after that three weeks. The dog is three weeks ahead of them. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, one thing that I always mention to all my clients is the book, the love them by leading them book. It's, it's only like one credit on Amazon. So I mentioned that and they all go out right out and buy right away. The other day I was talking with the client. Um, I said, Oh, call me if you're struggling with anything. And she called me and she's like, Oh, this is what happened. Blah, blah, blah. And you know, and I, and she started quoting the book to me and I'm like, it said this and this in the book. And so that's what I started doing. And I figured that's what you would tell me to do. So and it worked. And it's like, that's awesome. By giving her that information prior, she was able to work through her problems a lot quicker, you know, and think a lot different and have a different mindset. So, but yeah, my programs, they're three weeks. Like you said, it's a short amount of time. Um, for a while there, I was trying to see if I could get everything done in two weeks. But then, I don't know, those first weeks, I just, you got to develop that relationship with the dog. And some dogs, when they first come in, they're just like, a, a bit nervous and it takes three or four days just for them to calm down and relax yeah. and, and get ready to be in the right mindset to train. So I was like, you know what, 
I'm not going to do the three weeks or two weeks. I'm just going to stick with three. Um, and then I have no problem keeping the dog a little bit longer if it needs it. You know, I look at it, these people, you know, the dog owners, they're paying good money to send their dog to us. And I feel I need to give them 110%, you know, and make myself available in case, you know, for any, anything that they need, you know, the dog, they're going to have this dog the next 10 to 15 years, possibly, you know, five years down the road, I don't want them to think, oh, well, you know, after a year, the dog fell apart. Well, why are you calling me five years? You know, get a hold of me right away. Yeah, absolutely. So. It's an important shift that I had a while ago when I, when I had started my own business, right? I, I was training for a facility that I worked at prior to having my own business. And when I shifted to have my own business, <coughs> obviously I went through a lot to like work through all the different ins and outs of it. And, but I remember going through a, like having this epiphany of that I shouldn't be selling time. I'm not selling my time. I'm se selling results. I'm selling yep. the thing they get out of my time, right? And if I focus on just the time I'm selling, number one, I'm going to be annoyed the whole time because I'm going to constantly be like, well, you didn't pay for this time, right? Yep. And and ultimately, I think the owners and clients and dogs are not going to get as much out of it versus I will give you, the owner, the, the owner and the dog, whatever it takes to make sure we're successful so long as you're in it all the way. Right. Yeah, exactly. Obviously, yep. if an owner is like not not all in, I'm not going to be more excited about it and care more about their dog's success than them. But if they're all in, then we got to be a team and make sure it happens all the way. And when when I shifted into that perspective, my results got much better and I was much happier with the way I was doing it as well, because I wasn't so focused on like, well, this is more time. I got to charge more for it. I got to be all nitpicky about it. It's like, no, this is what it's going to take for me to get the results that I promised. So I'm going to do whatever it takes, even if it's that extra week. And it's, I think it's an important thing for trainers to think about it with that perspective in general. Yeah. You know, we're a result-based business. I, you know, if we don't produce results and really make ourselves out there to help our clients get the results, even after the dog goes home, you know, eventually we go out of business. You know, there's there's no reason to not make yourself available and have the mindset of, oh, well, they already paid for their training, so I'm not going to respond to them. Or, you know, they already paid for the training and we already did our follow up. So it's on them now. No, it's like we need to be there and, you know, give them 100 percent support all the way, because you know what? They have friends. Their friends have friends. They're going to get another dog. Should I have one lady? She sent me four dogs, you know, and I was in. It's like this is great, and I was like, "Well, you could kind of train your dog based Are off they all the doodles? first." Two. Yeah, they're all doodles. <laughs> yep, <laughs> yep. I had, um, to, I had to ask that. <laughs> oh yeah, yep. I train a lot of doodles. Holy cow! There's, um, I have four of them with me right now. <laughs> so one came last night, and then uh, shoot, I think the next. I, I have a Portuguese water dog coming in a couple months, and then I think a lab coming. But other than that, it's all doodles. So I hit the doodle market. Like <laughs> I feel like for as long as I've been like friends with you online and watching your training, I've only seen doodles with you. Probably the, you have a pit, right? Um, yes, I have. Well, I mean, they both came from the shelter, so who knows? But yeah, two pit bulls and then a beagle. Nice. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay. Even though I'm not really looking at a lot of the comments, but Kate, Katie said that her and her friend Karen are taking a shot every time we say doodles. So I had to make oh, that right. why I had to throw that in because they hadn't taken a shot yet. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That's great. You, are it's like doodles the dogs? I'm gonna keep saying doodle right now just to get them drunk. <laughs> <laughs> are doodles like the most common dogs in your area? So 
there's a lot of freaking doodles around here. Um, yeah, they're they're. I, I guess you could say they're pretty common. I know a lot. Of, I know quite a few people with doodles, but I think what helped was I got in with a few people that are really into doodles, and they told their friends that have doodles and told their friends that have doodles. So it really just went word of mouth. <clears throat> and then I'm always there's doodle pages everywhere. So I'm always on them. And, you know, if someone has a question, I always comment on it and say, hey, let me know. Message me if you need help, you know, put myself out there. But there are a ton of doodles all over Michigan, especially, you know, Katie's near Grand Rapids. And there's a ton of doodles in Grand Rapids. I've had probably three or four people just from Grand Rapids come because there's a huge following in Grand Rapids. There's um, I can't remember what they call it. I think they call it a doodle romp or doodle brigade. <laughs> and it's just all these doodles go to a dog park and just hang out. And then I'll watch on the comments after all the fights that end up happening. But um, yeah, yeah. And then it's, uh, yeah, I don't, to me, doodles are great dogs. You know, I don't know. Any dog's a great dog, but I have yet to have a doodle that was super aggressive, but I don't really take on aggression. Right. Um, I've talked to people that have, but um, overall, you know, they pick up quick. They're loving. They're, they're smart dogs. And they're very eager to please and very food motivated, and uh, they're just a great dog overall. So yeah, I've had I would one never personally have one. What's I've that? had one that had a bite history, but I wouldn't quite call it aggressive. I would just say <laughs> owners didn't step up to, to the plate properly. Well, that's um, a lot of the issues. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's not really aggression. You know, just because a dog bites doesn't mean they're aggressive, which is. Some a big misunderstanding that a lot of people have about aggression. It doesn't mean a dog is aggressive because it bites. It really just means it's being a dog and nobody's told it not to do that. Pretty you much, know? yeah. Yeah. And then it just it escalates. And then if they don't take care of it early on, it just keeps escalating. And before you know it, they're in a position where like, well, we don't know if we can keep this dog alive. And you know, you should have you should have did something about six months ago when it first started happening. So but doodle doodle doodle. <laughs> that's special for you katie yeah <laughs> what's been like your biggest struggle since you've been on your own left your other job and full in training um really just i feel like i'm always trying to provide for people so like no matter what like yeah you know because I'm, I'm booked out pretty far and it's just trying to make enough time to try to help as many people as i can um, but I still limit myself because I don't want to get burnt out. Um, but yeah, I think just trying, trying to please everybody can really, you know, that, that could be a struggle sometimes, you know, and, um, not really so much telling myself like, oh, you got to get up and do this, but, you know, actually getting up and taking videos and social media, you know, I get tired of social media all the time and I'm just like, man, I don't want to post on social media. I just want to, you know, delete the pages, but I know the owners, they're out there looking and it's helping people by us posting on social media, you know, by us providing information and posting videos and talking shit. It's all giving people information on social media because that's where everybody's coming to get their information. But for me, it's sometimes it's a struggle. Like, I don't want to post these videos. You know, I just want to go walk the dog and not take the video and not have to worry about that. So that could be, I don't, I don't know if a lot of people have that struggle, but I, I do some days. Yeah, it's a weird thing that I think it's not just dog training. I think it's almost every industry these days that you got to become like a media producer when you're that's not what you're trying to do. Right. Like, I know I didn't ever think that's what I was going to be 
doing, but yet here I am, I have to like be on social media. And like, there's a part of it I enjoy. Like I like doing this and I like creating. So some of it is fun for me, but at the same time, there's that some level of pressure that like you have to do it, right? Yeah. And it's just an interesting thing that almost every career, I think across the board, that if you're, especially if you're the business owner, that you have to, unless you're hiring somebody and outsourcing for it, you have to become some sort of media producer where it's like, I just want to have a leash in my hand and walk my dogs and work with them and be left alone. But yet here I am, I have to have a camera set up and I have to yeah. edit and I have to make posts and I have to be active. And it's an interesting thing how that plays into it in a big way these days, because it is an important aspect of the business, whether you like it or not. It's just something that has to be there. Yep. And it has to be there. And the reason what keeps me motivated with this is knowing that, excuse me, it might help just one person. I might not like the video. I might not think it's that great, but one person might be like, wow, that was the answer to my question. And it might help one person. So um, one other thing that I was struggling with at first was going from a full-time job that's, you know, that I consider a really good job. I had good pay, good benefits to just being like, all right, I'm quitting my job and just training dogs. You know, that was at first, that was a struggle, like the unknown, but I was like, what's the worst case scenario? I'll just go get another job if I fail. Right. You know? And then, um, I mean, shoot now, it, you know, it's been a while since I quit and, you know, it's just back to back, which is great, you know, and just having, having some success and, just staying busy. That's what I love about it. It keeps you really busy, you know, yeah. which is great. It's a big leap of faith to take, to be like, I'm leaving my <laughs> secure, comfortable situation. Yeah. And jumping into like, is this going to work or not? And let's just go all in and see how it goes. It's definitely something that it's, it's, it's pretty cool because most people will never take that risk. Exactly. And like, what's the worst case scenario? If, if for some reason I end up ended up failing at training dogs and I'll just go get another job, whatever, you know, I'll find something else that will pay the bills until this gets going. But then also what I love about it is the hustle is up to me. It's up to me whether or not I'm going to continue training dogs or I'm going to fail at it. You know, I'm the one that has to bust my butt and work hard and make sure to produce or put out a good dog and that, you know, people are happy with the results and making sure people get happy with the results. So it's just, you know, it's a fun hustle. That's for sure. Yeah, definitely. So. If you love it, then it's fun. Yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. most people wouldn't, most people who'd be like, oh, I would love to be a dog trainer wouldn't last a day doing this shit. But when there's passion behind it, then it's, then it's fun. And it's something that you can keep going and keep doing even when it gets hard. It's right. about passion. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it's about. I mean, today I was cleaning up doodle shit and I got, it got it all over my boots. You know, some people go like, oh, that's gross. I'm like, Oh, well, it's just doodle shit. It's part of the job, right? It's, yep. it's the shit that we can't post in social media, but we yeah, probably yeah, should exactly. so everyone could stop telling us that they wish they were dog trainers. <laughs> right, just yeah. Show them a little bit of the stuff they don't want to see. Yeah, like I had someone come uh, over a few months ago and they're like, oh, is that all you do? You just tell the dog to lay there and it does nothing? Is that what you do all day? I'm like, no, do you know how long it took to get this dog to stay here and hang out and be able to have people walk in and not bite you or not growl at you and, you know, not excitement pee because it's seen you? It's like, it's more than just having a dog just lay there and do nothing, you know? Yeah. What's, what's your favorite part of what you do now? Like, what, um, do you love most, what do you love most about being a dog trainer? I think it's the people. You know, getting to meet different types of people, getting to see, getting to see their excitement 
out of the results they're having out of their dog. So, but also seeing, seeing the dog transform, you know, um, one of the dogs I have with me right now, a week ago, you know, she, she was not listening, running around crazy, not doing what she was told. And today I walked her, you know, dragging a long line, you know, just my hands in my pocket, you know, and she's just sitting there looking at me with her tongue hanging out, wagging her tail. That's like, that's awesome that you can take something and turn it into such something positive. Yeah. You know, and then given given the owners, the owners, they're going to, like I said, they're going to have this dog for 10 to 15 years, hopefully, and taking away that stress. You know, I had someone tell me that they completely changed their, I completely changed their life by changing their, or fixing their dog with them. You know, he's like, I didn't know what we were going to do, but you changed my life. And it's like, I just trained your dog, but that's awesome. Thank you. I appreciate it. You yeah. Know? Well, it, it affects so much more. A dog affects so much more of our lives than a lot of people even realize. Most people, yeah. I feel like, realize how much a dog affects their life either, unfortunately, when the dog is gone or if they have a dog that they really, really struggle with because it's it's harder to notice it when it's just like everything is good and easy and you have your dog and you're comfortable. But I think that on like most things in life, people notice it either when it's really hard and there's a struggle or when it's gone and you realize how much you miss it. But these are like, these animals do something weird to us as people, you know, like yeah, emotionally. Yeah. 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 It's all, it's all in here. That's all, that's what we feel for them. And that's one of the reasons why we're having so many issues is because, you know, we're thinking with our heart and not our head so much. Um, but yeah, they're, they're part of, part of our lives, part of our family. You know, we bring them into our home and want to give them the best life possible. And we don't realize it until, you know, until they're actually gone, whether it be training or gone, gone, how much we appreciate them and how much they affected our lives. And just, you know, we're in us, even with, with people with dogs, they go their whole life and they're not happy with the training. They're still heartbroken, you know, at the end of it, you know, they still love that dog to pieces, but it's, uh, I don't know. I'm just excited to be able to help people with their dogs and, you know, work with doodles. There you guys take a shot for that. <laughs> You know, it's just, it's a great thing to be able to help people, you know, to contribute. Yeah. What's, you You mentioned that you think one of the big problems is that people think too much with their heart and not with their head. Elaborate on that. What do you mean by that? How should people be thinking with their heart versus with their head as dog owners who want to work through things? So everybody wants to just coddle their dog. We just, um, you know, if, if the dog's scared or nervous or fearful, they don't want to push them through it. That oh, it's okay. Let's just go cuddle on the couch. Or it's okay, let's, you know, come hang out with me. We'll just lay here and I'll pet you. Instead of pushing that dog beyond that point, you know, it's kind of like kind of like a hill. If that dog reaches that hill, it doesn't want to go up that hill. Oh, it's all right. I'll just, we're, we'll walk the other way and I'll we'll just walk around it. Now, if you push to get that dog up that hill, when it comes onto the other side of that hill, it's excited as hell. You know, it's it's happy. It's, it's like, damn, it's, it was just a big confidence boost for it. And I think we're... Part of the thing is I think we're becoming lazy because we just we want to hang out on the couch with our dog because a lot of society tells us that's what we need to do. You know, a dog is there to hang out with us and us to pet it, make us feel good. And I think that's where we're messing things up. You know, um, we we need to be hands on with our dog. Start, you know, working with our dog, setting these boundaries, taking our dogs for daily walks, not a lot, setting the rules in the house like. You don't have to have a dog that's sitting there barking every time a freaking leaf blows. 
you know, tell it, hey, you're not allowed to do that. Start patterning new behaviors and what, how you want your dog to act in the house and, you know, reward the shit out of that behavior. You know, give that dog the correct information. Um, you know, I think the whole fur mom stuff is just getting blown out of proportion. Oh, you know, we got to walk our dogs on the harnesses and our dogs can't, you know, feel any sort of discomfort in life and this and that. And it's like, no, nah, just take the dog for a walk, you know, start doing some 180s, some 360s, getting that dog walking next to you and just and start enjoying the dog. You don't need to break your shoulder while the dog's pulling you on a harness because you feel bad or because you feel bad the dog wants to go sniff, you know. No, I'm yeah. going for the walk. You're going to walk with me. I'm going to enjoy the walk. And by me enjoying the walk, you're going to enjoy the walk better. What do you think like owners can do to switch that? Because it's a struggle. See, it's, again, it's easy for you and I to say that and be like, yeah, that makes you're it right. Oh, yeah. Right? It's very easy. <clears throat> Excuse me. But for the average dog owner, that's like, okay, stop telling me to not think with my heart. I love this thing with my whole life. I don't like. I don't know what this means. Like, how could owners switch that? What What could they do? Should they do? In your pers- in, from your perspective and your experiences, to switch, make that shift from thinking solely with their heart to adding some head into it as well to get that balance out of it. Because I think it's about both, right? You should have both. Right? Yeah, you should oh, yeah. be a yeah. cold-hearted fuck who just oh no, we shouldn't be no at all. In it, yeah, but you need yeah. to have you need to have that balance. What could owners do to start to create that perspective shift in their life? Try to think of it from the dog's perspective, from the dog's point of view. You know, um, think of the dog as, all right, what can I give this dog for a job? Or what can I do to make this dog enjoy life more instead of just hanging out with me and just just existing? You know, um, how can I get this dog, you know, just really just start working with your dog. Start doing simple stuff. Even, Even if people just start working on sits and downs with their dog, they're going to start to see that shift and the dog's going to pay more attention to them. And us owning dogs is almost, it's almost a hundred percent selfish reason because it makes us feel good. So by working with your dog, you're going to see that dog connect with you like it never has before. And that's going to make you feel so good. You know, like even as us as trainers, when we're working with, well, when I'm working with dogs and I'm working on focus work and all of a sudden I notice, oh, I'm walking around and this dog's looking at me. It's like, yes, this is awesome. Now, if owners, if they could just get that feeling, they would be like, holy, this is great. I don't need to just sit on the couch with my dog and let it do whatever it wants. It's following me where I go. It's, you know, it's listening to me when I call it, you know, um, you take a lot of owners that have gone through training and they get compliments about their dog when they're out and that just you know makes them super excited like holy cow i actually got a compliment compliment on my dog you know yeah i think that along the same lines that you're saying that if we as trainers can find a way to give them a taste of that experience that you yes just yep. as an owner it helps them pr- have that shift practically because talk is cheap right we can talk about it from today till tomorrow like you got to do this. You got to do that. You have to change your perspective. You're all in your feelings. Like, <coughs> use your head a little bit. All of this stuff that it sounds great. And to a bunch of trainers sitting around talking about it, we're all going to be like, yeah, yeah, that's great. But for the average owner, it's like, what the fuck, right? But if we can give them a taste of that, like something I've been doing recently with a lot of the clients that I work with because I'm, I'm booked out pretty far right now. So the clients who are local to me, 
I'll do a one-on-one -on -one session with them where we'll just do leash work and get them to be able to walk their dog, right? And in that one session, there's always like a light bulb that I can see go off in the owner's head where like their their energy shifts, they become more relaxed and there's like a, a light, like they shine, they get more excited oh, yeah. about yep. it because they actually have a dog that's walking with them and looking differently at them and all the things that you described. And I think that part of our job is to give them that taste of it so they want to experience it more and more because it's a very hard thing to give over without actually saying, here, feel it, feel it for right. yourself. Yep. And it's making them feel good. That little moment of them being able to walk their dog just boosted their confidence, made them feel good. So they're going to want to push, push it even further. And a lot of owners, a lot of them, they just want to be able to walk their dog and, you know, their dog to come to them when they call, you know, which yep. is even, even if some owners, they're just happy with that. Oh, if I can walk my dog and it comes when I call all the other stuff, who cares? You know? Yeah. Because that's, practically speaking the most like the things that i think most owners struggle with the most so i put a post on facebook and instagram a while ago solely for research purposes so sorry to all of you who didn't get your answers your questions answered <laughs> but i i used it so I, I asked what's if there was two things that you can work on with your dog that you wanted to change what would it be right and obviously there was a whole ton of different things because everybody has different priorities and things that they struggle with but there was a common theme that i found of dogs barking and getting crazy in the house and not being able to enjoy them outside of the house which really what to me that boils down to is like teach your dog how to go for a walk and teach your dog place so that you could actually like enjoy them right yeah and it's it's really simple things that most people struggle with that actually affects their life in such a drastic way in a very serious way oh it, it stresses it, them out yeah 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 and you can't enjoy this animal right you get a dog to enjoy it to enhance your life and then you're stuck with it doing the exact opposite over things that most people think dogs should be able to do naturally right yep yep and that's one thing like we bring this dog into our house they don't they don't know how to operate in our world they don't know um you know it's communication they don't know they don't know our language we have to show them teach them how we want them to behave and i think a lot of people are missing that like oh it's just a dog that's just how he acts no he's acting like that because he doesn't know what to do Yep. Yeah. When and I think, go ahead. Continue. Oh, I was going to say, and I think a lot of people there, they don't really get that because that's not what the big picture is. The big picture says, oh, your dog should be running around wild, barking and everything. And just, you know, being a nutcase. If it's not a nutcase, if it's happy. Yeah. You know? Everyone's like, why don't you just let the dogs be dogs? Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Which we want to do that. Like, I, I play fetch all the time with my dogs and let them run around and just be nutcases. But it's like, if I tell you to lay down or to come or whatever, you know, you gotta, you gotta show some respect and just listen a little bit. Yeah. You know? the, I, I was, I went live on Instagram today randomly and I ended up ranting and ran, rambling about this idea. Oh, no, I, I, oh, see, I didn't get to listen to it at all. I, I got in and then I got cut off. Still. Yeah, because I went into a park. So like sometimes the service is not so good. So I don't even know if anybody heard what I said. So maybe I was just talking <laughs> talking to myself <laughs> for a good 10 minutes. Bruno, what are you doing, buddy? Down. Good boy. Um, sorry, I have a bunch of dogs oh, on place. Um, so I feel like it's not a proper podcast if I don't have at least one dog behind me that barks or something. <laughs> so it's, it's real life here. But like I get comments all the time from people or or dog owners who are interested in training, but they're still unsure, right? And it's always like, why can't we just let dogs be dogs? Or 
aren't we like stifling them too much and we're not allowing them to just be themselves and all these types of comments. And I think that I totally understand it. It's a very valid question, really, right? Oh, yeah. But the thing is, number one, as soon as we take dogs into our homes, we're stopping them from being dogs. Yep. You want a dog to be a dog, open the door to your house and let it go out in the forest somewhere and hopefully it survives. And if not, then it dies and that's nature and that's the dog being a dog. Exactly, right? yep. And once we bring it into our houses, even with that, you want to truly let a dog be a dog. You're looking at it from a very simplistic approach if putting a dog on place or making them walk next to you or making them follow directions or have accountability in their life, all the things that we like to preach about. If if people just see that as that's mean and you're stopping a dog from being itself, it's a very simplistic approach because one step further than that is the dogs running off leash at the park and having fun and the dogs that are traveling with their owners and going to cafes with their owners and being dogs with their owners, but you don't get there without the part that you don't think looks so nice, right? Yep, you have exactly. to have that. And yep. too many people I find, they cut their thinking very short. And they stop by just that immediate part. It's like you walk into a room and you see a dog in a cage or getting corrected for doing something wrong or being on place when everyone's eating supper or whatever it is that people don't like about what we do. And they just judge it based on that versus let's look at the whole picture. This is a dog that wasn't going to be in a home, so it definitely wouldn't be letting a dog be a dog. Or or when it's not on place, it's off leash with its owner or it's at a cafe and it's doing all these things that the average dog doesn't get to do. So I want people to start to think about it, like stop thinking at a childish level about it and start to think more mature, bigger picture, what these dogs actually get to do because of all of this mean stuff. Yeah, the world opens up, you know, once we provide this structure and give the dog set some boundaries, the world opens up because we could take our dog everywhere with us and do things with us that it would never normally get to do because oh, we don't want to take it out because it's going to start barking or growling and pull me down the street. Or I don't want to take it on vacation because it's, you know, it's going to be breaking out of its crate or doing this or that. You know, by providing these boundaries, rules and structures within our house, showing the dog how to live in our world, we can take it everywhere with us. And it's it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, it's, I think it's <laughs> balanced training, whatever we want to call it. Um, Common sense training. Yeah, it's been yeah. named balance training. So that's the term we're supposed to use, I guess. That's what the peoples have told us. Um, but <laughs> I hate proper labels. dog training, right? Versus improper dog training, like where people are not interested in structure and accountability and correcting dogs and whatever you want to call it, force free, I guess. I think that it, a big part of it really is like childish thinking versus mature thinking, right? Oh, yeah, I agree. Yep. And because a child, <laughs> A childish way of thinking is like they cry when the mom stops them from running across the street because they want to go to their friend, right? And yep. an adult that sees that is like, no, that's a mom protecting their kid, right? And they'll still get to go play with their friend, but they can't run in front of cars. And it's to me, I see it in a very similar way. It's like one of them is like, you can never punish a dog and you have, it's mean to have structure and it's mean to have accountability and leadership is dominance and all of this stuff that's put out there and like yeah i get it if you look at it from a very simplistic approach i would agree it's like the child who cries because they can't run into the street but let's look one step further and what life actually becomes because of all of that mean stuff like the kid who actually does get to play with their kid with their friend because mom actually kept them alive and didn't let them run into the street i think that it's very childish <laughs> this is a mature approach really 
Yeah, I agree with that. I think, um, you know, the different approaches kind of limit dogs and limit their owners. You know, um, you have some owners that they've been working with certain style trainers for 10 weeks and they still can't even walk their dog. You know, yep. 10 sessions, still can't even walk their dog. And it's like, you just got ripped off. Yeah. You know, and um, I don't, and, but the one of the issues is there's so, like with the balance training force free, there's so much information on the internet. People don't know where to look, you know, because if, if you look up, all right, well, let's look up e-collars, then you can find a million things that are good about them. You look up e-collars, you can find a million things that are bad. Well, you know, sunshines and rainbow sounds a lot better than correcting the dog. You know, yeah. no trainer feels good actually correcting the dog. We don't want to correct a dog, but we know if we have to correct a dog, it's going to come out if we do it properly and it's done correctly and we're doing the right communication, it's going to come out better on the other side, you know? Um, and I think that's what a lot of people that are against the way we train don't, that they don't see that point. They don't see it from that standpoint. Right. You know? Not looking big picture. Yeah, exactly. I spoke yeah. to an owner last night who I think had, she had said she worked with four trainers and the dog is 10 months old and has separation anxiety and Damn. still has zero results and wasted a shit ton of time, a lot of money and just prolonging it. And the longer separation anxiety exists, the worse it's going to get, right? <clears throat> it doesn't magically get better on its own or else no one would need us. But, and like, those are so, do you, do you get a lot of clients that had worked with a lot of trainers prior to you? Oh yeah. Yeah. I, in, so a couple of clients that pop up recently, the one she had, um, she was with a company, they called themselves force free. And then I looked them up and they were using no colors. Oh no, no, no. I'm not going to say a name. I don't even remember their name actually. So, but they called themselves force free and I looked them up and they were using choke collars. I was like, all right, well, that's not force free, but whatever. So this lady paid for nine, nine private sessions and she was still unable to walk her dog down the street. And her dog was still rushing the door, barking and everything. The dog was still nipping at her when she would pet it and wouldn't stay still. And, you know, I felt bad for the lady. I was like, you'll just do this, this and this. And then she ended up signing up for a boarding train, actually. But, you know, I said, I said, you kind of just got ripped off, you know. And she's like, yeah, I guess so. And, you know, she kind of saw it from a different perspective because we started getting results instantly. And I didn't even do anything, really. All I did was teach her dog place command and worked on some thresholds, you know, and the dog like started paying attention to us and listening just because we put a leash on it and didn't allow it to do whatever it wanted to do in the house. And it started right away just like, oh, all right, well, what do you want me to do? You know, um, so so, yeah, I get a few clients that have already gone through training. Um, some have already gone through board and train style with the e-collar. And a lot of people aren't working on the state of mind, getting the dog into the calmer state of mind. Um, I spoke with a lady on the phone the other day. She, her dog went through a three-week boarding train, and she didn't even know what place command was. And it's like, holy cow, how do you not know what place command is? I would think even for three or pure positive, whatever you call yourself, you should still be teaching a place command or teaching the dog some way to calm down, to relax, and just chill. Um, yeah. With that, like, let's use that example they just had with that person who just worked with a couple. What do you think, what do you think created that quick shift when you worked with that 
dog that you had just said that went through that 909 sessions or whatever. We put a leash on the dog and didn't let it just go crazy. Um, what did it Oh, I had a pet, pet convincer with me. Um, it nipped at my hand and I just gave a little with the pet convincer and it just looked at me and sat down. And that was, I think it's never been told. No, it's never been told what to do. Um, they were using, a, they were told to use a can anytime the dog does something wrong to shake the can. Yeah. And, and she shook the can and the dog doesn't even carry t it turned into a game. He started getting even more hyper and wanted to play with the can. So I think by limiting that dog's free roaming, get that more focus on us. By having the dog in the leash, a short leash, and not allowing it to run around and do what it wants, and it started, it had no choice but to focus on what we wanted to do, and we started seeing the shift, you know, and um, and so we started working a little bit on thresholds and place command, and just showing the dog, hey, these are your boundaries. This is how I want you to behave. You're not allowed to nip at my hand. You're not allowed to jump on people when they come through the door. You know, here, go here and lay down. And by the end of the session, the dog was hanging out in place and it was it was cool it was nice to see that um we didn't start working on walks yet but um because uh she ended up signing for a board and train so um we didn't start working on walks but that dog it'll be easy to teach it well i feel it'll be easy to teach it walking yeah so do you do mainly board and train do you do one-on-ones also what yep. is your program so i just do a three-week board and train um I was trying to do, like I said earlier, trying to do a two week or thinking of doing a two week, but I just didn't feel the dogs were getting enough. And um, I used to do before COVID, I was doing <coughs> private sessions. But towards the end of doing that, I felt I needed to do, do something to. Um, I needed to do something for the owners to get better results. I didn't feel the owners were getting as good of results as I thought they should be. So I was feeling like it was something I needed to change up. Um, so I started to get away from private private one-on-ones. And then once COVID happened, now it's like I don't even really want to do privates at the moment. Not because of COVID, just because I enjoy doing the board and training some more. Right. Um, but, I, but also I see I'm probably limiting myself a little bit by not offering privates because a lot of people, you know, they might not be able to afford a board and train or a private sessions might help them better actually. Um, so I don't know, come summertime, I might start doing privates just cause it's a bit nicer out. Um, but for yeah. right now it's just board and trains. It's interesting. I went through a very similar thing. When I first started, I was doing whatever. <laughs> I was like one-on-ones, board and train, whatever you want, like just, just hire me. Right. And I was doing a lot of one-on-ones and then I got to this point where I was like, I don't like the results. Very similar to what you're saying. And I started to just only do um, board and trains. But recently, like I've, I've been doing some like refresher sessions with people who went through my board and train. So I'll go to their house and work with them like that. They've It's not really like a one-on-one -on -one per se because they're not learning. It's more just refresher and specific things that they're struggling with or the like pre-board and train leash leash work that I'll do with some clients. And it made me realize that I missed it. I don't know if it's necessarily that owners need it or will benefit from it as much as they could, but like I missed that idea of in the moment teaching, right? It's a very, for me, I like teaching a lot. Like dog training is just my way of teaching these days. It's what I teach, but I just appreciate the idea of teaching in general. If there's something that I have to offer, I like to give it and to teach it. And there's no, for me, I felt like there's no more real way of doing it than in the moment with a client there, 
teaching them while teaching their dog and teaching them what's going on with their dog. It was something I realized this week. I was by a client's house and I was like, I really miss this shit. Like I have to figure out a way of somehow doing both without completely burning myself out and spreading myself too thin, which I've done that already. So <laughs> I got to figure out <clears throat> how to balance it out. But I think there's something really beautiful about Obviously, board and trains are great, and the results we can get is going to be very different because we're with the dogs 24-7, right? But there's also something really cool about one-on-ones where you get to see the light bulbs go off in the owner's head, and they get to be an active participant in the training, so they're a bit more invested in it, I think. It's it's an interesting, a lot of pros and cons to it that I enjoy seeing. Yeah, yeah, and I, I agree with that standpoint. I really enjoy seeing you know, the owners like having an aha moment. Um, but then sometimes, I, I guess you got to screen your clients too, but then like you go through a week and they haven't done anything. Right. Like, well, that packet, we went over the homework. Didn't you do it? Oh, well, I didn't have time. It's like, well, if you're not putting in effort, why am I? You know, that's, uh, that's kind of what deterred me from it. But after doing a few in-person consults and stuff like that, I kind of like, oh, wow. Yeah, this, this is a little fun. You know, it's getting results. It's helping people, which is important. Kind of like what you were saying. Yeah, it's interesting. And yeah, it has to be the right the right dog and the right owner also, obviously, for one-on-ones to have a positive effect and that you're not just wasting your time over right. and over. Yeah, and you don't want to burn yourself out. I mean, I enjoy – one of the reasons why I enjoy boarding trains is because I'm not obligated to go anywhere. You know, yeah. I, you know, I don't have a time to where I have to show up somewhere. You know, I can, all right, wake up, feed the dogs – take them for walks, work with them. All right, let's go to Home Depot. Let's go to the pet store. Let's go downtown. You know, I don't have to be like, oh, I have to be here at nine or I have, I have to be on this podcast at seven. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's great. Like, I, you don't have to do anything. I don't, you don't have to, you could roll out of bed and look however the fuck you want and just work with the dogs. I can't oh, yeah, go to yeah. <laughs> like that. <laughs> yep, I've, I've had a lot of moments. Yeah. I've had a lot of moments where I'm like, man, I should be recording this, but it's like, well, I'm still in my PJs. I don't know if I should be recording my PJs, but, um, you should. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> <coughs> only you if it's a doodle. Should. Yeah. What? <laughs> I said only if it's training the doodle, right? That's all you do. Your new name, your name is doodle Dan. <laughs> yeah. That's what you said that earlier. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think it's funny. Um, <laughs> I remember like I was very, so when I started doing videos, I was very conscious of it and I would always like make sure that I look a certain way and my hair is like back and all that shit. And then I was like in my pajamas training a dog one day and I had the exact same thought and I was like, I don't know if I should be video this or not, but it's really good stuff. I'm like, this is awesome. And I was like, fuck it. Like if people don't like it, you don't have to watch, but like, this is dog training. This is real life. Like real life dog training is you work with your dog whenever, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's and, true. Yep. You know, like owners sh- shouldn't have to get dressed up to work with their dogs. Neither should I. Like, this is just life. Just work with your dog whenever. It doesn't matter. And your dog definitely doesn't give a shit, which is one of the things I love about them. They couldn't right. care less. Yep. Dogs don't care as long as you give them some attention and, uh, you know, give them some love. And they just want to, they just want to please you if they can, if it, re- if it benefits them, that's for sure. What's so. your favorite thing to teach a dog? Um, I, to me, it feels great when you're walking down the street and the dog's just walking next to you and just ignoring everything else. So, you know, structured walks, heel. Um, I like, I like recall. Well, for one, recall is really important. 
but gives me the opportunity to take dogs to different places. You know, I have 10 acres, so I can go walk anywhere, you know, and if I know that dog's going to come to me, you know, I, I just enjoy that. Um, with my personal dogs, you know, just going out and just enjoying the being with the dog, you know, not even really teaching anything, just being around the dog, letting the dog go out and sniff and place, place some fetch. And, um, you know, some, sometimes it's not even about, well, what are we working on today? Or what am I teaching you? It's just enjoying having that dog in that moment. Yeah, definitely. And, and that's something that most dog owners can't do, you know, right. because their dogs can't just chill with them. They always either have to be doing something actively engaged with being touched, being spoken to. I think it's one of the most beautiful things when you could just exist with a group of dogs, you know? Yeah. Like, just hanging what, out with them and they're just laying around and, yeah. you know, that's what a lot of people they don't get to see is most not, I, I can't speak for every dog, but a lot of dogs that are trained and, you know, with decent owners, most of the time the dogs just laying around and do nothing. You know, they're just like, Oh, all right, I'm just going to lay here and hang out, you know, which is uh, to me, it's awesome. And then, all right, well, get up, let's go outside, go play fetch. All right. Then they're ready to go, go, go. All right. Well, let's go back inside. I'm eating dinner and they just, they just lay around. It's like, you know, people don't get to see the best parts of their dog because the dogs just go, 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 mm -hmm. you know, and the dog doesn't want to listen to them because they, we bring them into our home and there are, it's so many distractions like, oh, here's a noise, here's a noise. And the dog just never gets to chill because it has never been shown how to just chill. Well, I don't think it's it's natural for dogs to be always doing things. I've seen dogs that live a much more natural life, like in Ukraine, where I've seen dogs who are street dogs or forest dogs that they live in groups and they just do their thing and i've hung out with them and spent a lot of time with them i've spoken around this podcast a lot because i think it's it was fascinating for me and i think it's important for people to recognize it that these dogs didn't weren't running around all day playing with each other and they weren't all over each other and they weren't fighting and they weren't whining and they weren't doing all the things that they weren't jumping every time somebody walked by. Okay, they were a little timid around people because they were just being cautious, but in a healthy way. Most of what they did with their life was really just laying around. All yeah, just time. hanging out. Yeah. yeah. They were just laying, like groups of dogs, like they had their little social groups, right? And they were just laying down on top of each other, just chilling, like in groups most of the time. And they'd get up and go for their little walks every so often. They'd go... They'd go at nighttime to go scavenge some food, but they weren't doing all of the jumping and running and being crazy the way that our average pet dogs do in America. And for me, it was a big eye opener when I saw this because obviously I've heard trainers say all this stuff, but when I saw it firsthand, like dogs actually living a more natural life, they weren't doing all this craziness. And so many people are so used to seeing dogs in that crazy state where it's either overexcitement or anxiety or both just all over the place right and they never stay still and they're jumping and they're whining and they're barking and they're panting and they're excited and all that stuff that it's become what people think is normal for a dog to do that that's natural and then all of a sudden they yeah. see a dog just laying down and doing nothing it's yeah. like what's wrong with your dog it's like right. no, no. Or it's abuse. this is yeah. the dog this is what it's supposed to be what's right. wrong with your dog right you know? why can't your dog sit down or why can't it just chill out for a minute. Why stop barking, do something. Yep. And I think if you look at a lot of wild animals, 
you know, most wild animals, they're just chilling. They just, you know, they eat, fuck, and sleep. Yep. You and know, they that's, save their energy. Yeah. Yep. You know, look at, uh, you know, like a, you know, they're feline, but look at pride of lions. You know, they sleep most of the time and they eat and they go back to sleep after that. You yeah. Know? Unless there's a threat, there's no reason for them to be running around, running away. <clears throat> In our, our life, like the average Western world that we live in, whether it's city or not, it's very, very stimulating for a dog, yes. for an animal, yep. you know? And even if you live in a quiet home, it's like there's this thing on the wall that just has flashing pictures and the dogs don't know what to do with TVs, right? And there's lights on when it's supposed to be dark and there's all sorts of stuff that's always going on. And if we don't teach dogs like what to do with that shit, it's going to throw them off. It's going to make them either always excited or always anxious, but they're turned on all the time. And it's, it's almost unfair not almost it is unfair and, and to the dog that we're bringing into our home to then expect it to just know how to figure out what to do with that shit when it's so unnatural for it yeah just bringing them in and say, here you go it's like well i don't know what to do what do you want me to do well i don't know do what you want well the dog's going to start doing what it wants and we're not going to like it you know that's um that's one thing i think a lot of people they need to see like hey this this isn't natural for a dog even you know, even though you brought the dog in your home at nine weeks, you know, it's never been shown like, oh, this is what the TV does or these are this noises. You know, it needs to be trained just to just to hang out or focus on us or, you know, give the dog a job, something. So Do you think that there are things that the average owner can do without working with the trainer to start to change some of that? Yeah, um, I talked to a lady the other day and she was. She, uh, she's like, well, what what can I start doing? I'm like, I start doing this. I told her to start hand feeding her dog, keeping her dog on a leash with the leash attached to her in the house, and then outside keeping it on a leash. Within a day, she said she's seeing a totally different dog. So start hand feeding your dog. You know, having the dog with you on a leash, and you know, putting your dog into a sit or sit or down, just some sort of relaxing position. And you know, create your dog. You know, have it set some boundaries and rules in your house and you'll start seeing a different dog within a week. I, a lot of people, you know, I, I think they just don't want to put in the work or because they don't see the results right away. You know, they're like, well, the dog's not listening. Well, you've only been trying for five minutes. Yeah. You know, give it. And I time myself I, when I do a lot of things, you know, like um, making the dog sit and wait for food. You know, you could take a dog that totally doesn't know how to do that. And within five to 10 minutes, it's sitting and waiting for it to be released for its food. And I think, um, you know, we're just so go, go, go. We don't have the patience for that. You know? Yeah. Dogs, dogs don't agree to the cultural way that we live. It's that simple. Right. They're, they're primal and natural. And our, our life is not natural at all. It's far from it. Right. The way we're always running around and doing things and, always got to get somewhere and keep to a schedule and be on time for something and rushing, rushing, rushing. It's not. And then we try to put that onto our dogs. And right. for me, like once like I've connected with that idea, it's actually a beautiful thing because dogs will slow me down. They'll make me be present. They'll make me be a part of it. It's one of those things that I think that owners, people, dog trainers, whoever, who actually really focus on all these things, how it can benefit us in our lives too, because I found that it forces me to slow down, to be more present, to be 
in the moment. And there's nothing better than that when we could actually just be present with what we're doing, which most people never do at all in their life because they're just thinking about the next thing. Dogs can force us, once we connect with that and actually start to be in tune with what they need, it can force us to do the same for ourselves in a very cool way. Yeah, it, it just helps us. It just helps us calm down and relax because, you know, the dogs, we're, see, we're seeing results that we want. So it makes us feel better. Um, one thing that I talk about is patience, you know, having patience with your dog with clear communication and then working your dog through it. Your patience is going to outlast that dog continuing to do or not doing what you expect it to do or want it to do. You know, like, for example, um, sitting at thresholds, walking out the door. Well, if you're just patient with that dog and you have it on a leash, just, you know, put it into a sit, open the door. Within five to 10 minutes, it's going to be, it's going to sit there and wait for you to let it out. And I think people were just, we're given up too fast because we're used to fast results. We're used to everything right now, right then and now. And, and, you know, so we don't take the time out to work with our dog. Yep. We live in an age of instant gratification. I mean, yes, think about exactly. what we're doing right now, right? Like we're hours apart. We're at least 13 hour drive apart and yep. we're sitting and talking to each other and people are listening and everybody's able to be a part of it. And we could talk to each other in seconds. Like not too long ago, if we wanted to have this conversation, it would have been over a many months where we would be writing letters back and forth with each other, hoping that it actually gets to you, you know? Yeah. And now yep. like with, a click of a button we're talking we're seeing each other we're communicating with each other and people are able to listen and listen to it after it's it's all instant gratification so it's again it's one of those things that we have to recognize that dogs are not part of that right they don't yep. live in that in that same world as us when it comes to that nothing for them is instant gratification in terms of actually getting the good stuff right the problem is when we give them that instant gratification because it's normal to us then they don't work for anything and we end up having this whole rabbit hole of issues that are created. Yep. Yep. Once you, once they, you show a dog, they could get away with something. They're just going to run, run all over you, you know, and take advantage of you and, you know, not care. I mean, in a way dogs are selfish. They're going to do what makes them feel, you know, makes them feel good. You know, yeah. the same, same reason why we have dogs because it makes us feel good. Well, the dog's going to take advantage of you because it's making itself feel feel good you know i did a a tiktok video today on uh -oh. that <laughs> we'll really see, we'll, we'll see how many people hate it because people get excited about shit on tiktok real quick um but yeah. you're gonna get banned again <laughs> yeah hopefully it's good the more the more they cancel me it means that my message is getting out there um but <laughs> i think that what i i remember having this idea i made a couple posts on it on different things but the key it's normal for dogs to be selfish. Selfish isn't bad, right? We have this perception in our culture that if you're selfish, you're a bad person. It doesn't mean you're an asshole if you're selfish. You're an asshole if you're an asshole, right? right. But being selfish is actually an innate thing that is part of survival for everyone, whether it's for dogs or for us, that any animal, any being has to put their survival first. And especially like, if you want to help somebody else, you got to put yourself first too. It's the only way to truly be able to help them, right? And so dogs don't give a shit about pleasing you. There's this stupid cultural thing that dogs, that people believe that dogs want to please. They just want to please their human. It's like, no, dogs don't want to please their human. They know right. that by pleasing their human, something good's going to happen, right? right? So, and, and they do it. The trick is if we want to really 
manipulate the situation, which is what it all is, is, is manipulating the dog's mind, is make them believe that doing what you want is in their best interest. And then they're going to selfishly do it. They will never selflessly do something for you ever. Like you want to see that your dog is not is like truly doesn't give a shit about you. Stop feeding it for two weeks. Tell me that your dog still loves you unconditionally. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's funny that you brought it up. I just had it on my mind and I was ranting about it. But yeah, dogs are selfish as they should be because it's the key to survival. Yep. And it's our job to figure out how to tap into that so that we can have the best relationship with them. Yep. Making them feel good will get that focus on us and you know, um, and then in, in turn, it makes us feel good. I think if people would just get that feeling, they'd be like all about training. And then yeah. we'd be out of business because everybody would start training their dogs again. Which would be awesome. <laughs> it creates that positive feedback loop. You know? Yeah. Well, I don't think it'd be awesome if we were out of business. but No, it totally would. <laughs> it totally would. <laughs> no. <laughs> we can all still be friends, but like it would be awesome, right? Like dog owners wouldn't be struggling anymore. We'll always find something to do. You're, yeah, that's true. We're... we're We'll figure something out. We figured it out now. What's this is my question I like to ask everybody. Hopefully you didn't prepare it. Well, I didn't do a podcast in like a month, so you probably forgot the question anyways. Oh, I know so, what the question is. What? I know what it is. <laughs> and you've definitely right. been thinking about it. <laughs> no, I haven't thought about it. <laughs> okay, good. So what's the one thing that you wish every dog owner would know? That if everybody's listening to Doodle Dan talk right now, all across <laughs> the world, that you can give one message to dog owners. If I could give one message to dog owners, that's difficult. Um, try. Just try with your dog. Give your dog that time, that patience. Um, but don't don't give yourself 100% to your dog. Don't, or, well, for free. That's what I mean by that. You know, don't just live for the dog. Like, have the dog work for you and just, um, you know, really just be patient with the dog. Just try and be patient and start working with it, take one thing and build off of that. You know, I think, like I mentioned earlier, people give up on their dogs way too easily because they don't think their dog's trainable. Most likely the average per well, there's a lot of people, but the average person that I've encountered doesn't have the dog that's not trainable, you know? So just try with your dog, give it, give it that structure, that guidance it needs. It's looking at you for guidance because it's struggling. You know, if your dog's, acting out or doing something and that you don't want it it's because it's struggling because it doesn't know what to do so it's doing what it feels is best or what it has gotten satisfaction from previously you know yeah. how's that answer <laughs> that's great <laughs> no i'm listening to it no. I, yeah <laughs> just try right so many people don't even try they, yeah. find, they see the problem and they just leave it at that right actually trying to do something they just think that's the new norm and that's you know, they don't they don't have to do anything because, oh, that's just how my dog is. No, your dog's not like that. That's just how, you know, how it thinks it should be because it doesn't know what else to do. You know, if you just put a little bit more effort in, you'd probably have a different dog. You know, I think a very cool part that you threw in there that's very, very practical for owners who might be listening to this is to take one thing and start to work on it, right? Because try, try yeah. is very broad, right? Like, okay, great. I'm trying. Now what? Right. Right. <laughs> But what you threw in there that I think is very important to, to bring out and like for owners to hear is you're not going to fix everything at once. Dog trainers right. don't fix everything at once. Even if they make it look like it, they're lying to you or they're just not showing you everything. We're not lying. Right, yep. We're not showing everything, <laughs> right? And But if you just take one thing, 
even if it's super small and make that your goal for the week and work on it. And then the next week, build on it. And each, yep. each time you reach a small goal, celebrate it and move on to the next one. Yep. And just keep stacking. stacking. Yep. That's how you're going to get it. I think that that's an important yep. part to bring out from what you said, because it's a super important message. Just try. But then you also threw in a practical part of it very quickly without elaborating on it, but that people <laughs> should, should try in a very practical way. Like just take one thing and, conquer it and then another thing and conquer it and soon enough you'll have a totally different dog yeah and it'll start building up your confidence as an owner and start building up the dog's confidence and the dog will start focusing you on more and looking more for you direction and then in turn it'll start making us as the human or the owner feel better and so it just keeps building and building and building and you're gonna have setbacks everybody's gonna have setbacks no matter what it's a bit of a roller coaster but as long as you're seeing progress, you just keep moving forward. Yeah, yep. I love it. Let's wrap it up on that. Owners All right, sounds try. good. Take, take one thing for any owners who are listening to this. Just try this the, the practicality of it. Take one thing, start to work on it, and don't give up on that one thing. Just keep trying with that one thing until you're successful, and then move forward and celebrate it. Right? Awesome. Yep, sounds good. All right, man. Do you want to tell everyone where they can – find you follow you see all you oh um 3c canine training facebook um i'm mostly active on facebook um post a little instagram and then uh oh oh tiktok i started a tiktok so i need to find out do some crazy stuff for that so i can try to get banned like you <laughs> <laughs> i'll teach you how to do it it's not that difficult just just get people a little bit upset and they'll report you for yeah, i got a really good idea i'll i'll i might post it uh, I, I might do it. I don't know. It's a little, uh, little out there, but I can't, I can't talk about it online. <laughs> just do it. If it's out there, just do it. It's, it's out there. I don't know. I, you might, I might be, I get in trouble for doing it. So I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> You'll never know if you don't try it. It's a hit or miss. Yeah, it's, it's that try thing. Yep. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Take some of your own advice and just try it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. All right, guys, follow Dan at 3CK9 training on Facebook and TikTok. Let's blow his TikTok page up so that when he, puts up his crazy content we'll all be able to yeah, see it we'll see <laughs> make sure he doesn't get banned <laughs> all right y'all thank you everybody for tuning in i'm happy to be back <clears throat> i have a bunch of awesome guests lined up so hopefully this podcast should be back up and running on a more regular basis i had to put it on the back burner a little bit because i got busy and i don't like to get burnt out so i got to put myself first um, because i'm selfish and <laughs> but we're back we're running and i'm excited to be back so stay tuned and Y'all should follow my TikTok too, because I got to blow that shit up. I love you all. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Dan, Bye. thanks for hopping on. This was a lot of fun. I appreciate oh, yeah, thank you, you all. Hope you all have an awesome night. And remember to be kind to yourselves and to everyone else. Peace.